Welcome to In Conversation, a series of dialogues with leading authors and speakers in the field of spirituality and healing. In Conversation is a production of Banyan Books and Sound, a gathering place of the world's wisdom traditions since 1970. Welcome, everybody, to the Banyan Books and Sound podcast, In Conversation. I'm Ross McKeechee, and I'm lucky enough to be joined today by Matt Khan. He is a spiritual teacher, highly attuned empathic healer, and the author of a few great books. The first being, Whatever Arises, Love That. His second book, Everything is Here to Help You. And his newest book, the universe always has a plan. The 10 golden rules of letting go. A wonderful book. I'd like to start by welcoming you. Welcome. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's truly an honor to be here. Really honored to have you. Um, you're definitely a favorite around Banyan books. And just wanted to start by saying you've played a big role in my life. So thank you for that. Oh, thanks for saying that. I, I'm, I'm honored to know that I played that role for you. It's, it's again, humbled and what an honor. Um, the first thing I want to ask is just about your new book. Mm. It's a wonderful book and uh, I'm just curious about the inspiration for it and your writing process. It's amazing because, you know, when I wrote it, obviously as a channel, everything kind of comes to me very in instantaneously. I had no idea the world was going to be in the state it's in. I had no idea that this book would be coming out the perfect time to be like the perfect roadmap or, you know, manual to help everyone really take bold leaps in their awakening journey and to really step-by-step, step, you know, go through and support Earth's ascension. So I had no idea this was going to happen. You know, the book title is The Universe Always Has a Plan, and it had a plan that I wasn't fully aware of. So that was, I thought, very uh, on the mark. But as far as my writing process with this book, I was going through a lot of deep healing in my personal life, a lot of change, a lot of transition and I was in a really raw place and what's interesting is when I usually write a book I usually wake up first thing in the morning and I write a couple hours of content and then I come back in the afternoon and I edit what I just wrote and the next day I move on I'm able to write a manuscript pretty expediently that way for some reason with how raw I was feeling and the healing I was going through I could only write this book late at night so I wrote this book from like 11 o'clock at night till three in the morning and being up with the moon and you know the silence of you know life is asleep but i'm up in this you know crazy inspired place with lightning coming through my body as i'm channeling what feels like the words the world needs to hear and you know, pressing save a thousand times, making sure this is you know, <laughs> it's amazing because it's really, it's an amazing process when something comes through you. And it would be the same process as if you were reading someone else's book that inspired or changed your life. You would be like, oh my God, this is incredible. And when it comes through me like that, it's the same experience. Uh, not because I'm writing it, but because I'm just in the presence of witnessing the universe's power and fury to bring to the world a truth that cannot be denied and a truth that only heals through the power of love. And as I just felt this coming through me, I just knew 
I mean, this is actually the fastest I've ever written a book and I wasn't trying to write it fast. It's just poured through me first draft in about a month, which is very fast. And then I sent it off to my publisher and I was waiting and they came back with like four edits and I was like, oh my God, like this, this book is a truly powerful and, and special book. And I'm just so honored to, to have been the space that came through. Oh, wonderful. It, and it is a truly wonderful book. Just for anybody who doesn't know, it's, it's got these 10 golden rules for letting go. And as Matt mentioned, there's each chapter starts with a personal story. Mm. Uh, so he relates it to his life and then he gives a mantra for that rule, yeah. gives an exercise. And then what I really love is the spiritual myth busting. Everyone loves it. It probably has to be a part of every book I write now. I probably have to do a spiritual myth busting for every chapter because I had so much fun channeling it. And it was, um, and, and I started to see that that was uh, a theme of the book of doing this spiritual myth busting uh, section. And I'd often channel these these sections and not even know where I was going with it and just letting it come through. And, it, you know, it's it's really a time in history where we have to really honor the teachings that brought us to this point. There's nothing wrong with any teaching. It's just there's a point where teachings kind of expire and lose their potency. And I think we're at a point in history where it's important to embrace teachings that are that are, are going to help us unravel fear versus perpetuate fear to help us cultivate love versus hide from love. So it was really amazing to really kind of in, in the most direct way, just point people to a brand new horizon of teachings that really is rooted in oneness that is expressed and conveyed with love and really gives people a more functional way to live aligned with spirit instead of chasing after these goals. And so it's truly my honor to be able to provide that. Hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, you give a lot of attention to emotions, yeah. uh, um, which some might call more of more feminine spirituality and, and this heart centered path. So I'm just curious if you can, yeah speak a little bit to the importance of honoring and working with emotion for our audience. Absolutely. You know, and I agree, you know, emotions tends to be a feminine quality, but you know, the interesting thing is consciousness itself is a feminine energy, or I would say this uh, consciousness actually is neither feminine nor masculine. It's the combination and it's the transcendence of both. Uh, the receiving of consciousness is a feminine uh, action and the seeking of consciousness is a masculine action. And so what happens just if we look at our world, it's going through this incredible upheaval with coronavirus. You know, we have an over, we have a society that is way too steeped in the masculine and the feminine has been suppressed for many lifetimes. And we all know about examples of that. And on the spiritual path, it's been much of the same where a lot of people have been seeking, seeking wisdom, seeking consciousness, seeking resolution, seeking healing. And there's more people seeking with the masculine. There are people receiving what they're seeking from the feminine. So when my teachings are always based on heart-centered consciousness, love, uh, the importance of that is just as the world needs to balance out the masculine with the feminine, in the same way in the spiritual path, we need to balance out the masculine pursuit for greater spiritual awareness or compassion or forgiveness and we need to balance it with knowing how to receive it, right? There's an illusion that says, if I seek it, I will find it. And once I find it, I will receive it. But the truth is, is once I learn how to receive it, only then will it be found, which sounds backwards to people. 
but we've been trained to interpret things in a very masculine forward way. And so in order for us to experience things with the balance of the masculine and feminine, we have to give such attention, positive attention to our emotions because it's our emotions and our relationships with our feelings that truly shows us how aligned in spirit, how, in, how integrated, how congruent we truly are. You know, it's one thing to have experiences of transcendence and oneness and awakening, but where the rubber hits the road is, what is your relationship with your personal self? When emotions arise, what space do you hold? And it's not a, a question of judgment, it's just a question of perspective. And so I think we're done with the days of let us, ex let us go for spirit and transcend the lower body and looking at the human body as less than. The human body is an instrument of immaculate perfection and it was miraculously created by the spirit that all of us are here to remember and reconnect with. And if we're going to try to connect with heaven by trying to bypass our physical forms, we're just gonna spin in purgatory for longer periods of time. So the way we really touch into spirit, the way we really complete our awakening journey, the way we really exit out of dark night of the soul and into the paradise of our own inner heaven. The true way we do this is by bringing into our body, into our feelings, the love, the nourishment, the sustenance, the attention and the presence that is really treating our body the way the universe views us. And when we learn to treat ourselves the way spirit always treats us, then there's no separation between us and source. And oneness can be a naturally lived experience, not something else to chase. Would you say that surrender is a, is a more feminine aspect in that surrender? Is this where the receiving happens? Or? I would say that surrender is preparing to receive. So surrender is where the, the, the wisdom of the masculine kind of unpacks its armor, sets down its weapons, sets down its defenses, right? It's the masculine, it's the intelligence of the masculine saying, I've taken it this far. And I think, and this is where it really in surrender, it's where the warrior becomes the lover on a very existential level. Uh, the ability to receive is a feminine quality, but the ability to surrender is the moment where the unconscious masculine becomes conscious of its purpose and role. That the purpose of the masculine is to, on one level, protect the feminine until an auspicious point in time. And that auspicious point in time is simultaneously when the feminine is ready to awaken to its power equal to the masculine and where the masculine helps the feminine into its power by surrendering all its defenses. And instead of playing the role as being someone's defender, guardian, or protector, it becomes the beloved, the lover, the honorer, the adorer. And it's where the masculine truly surrenders to the feminine, where the mind turns inward and merges into the heart. And as the mind and the heart become one, as the masculine and feminine merge, as the left and right hemispheres of the brain come together in greater coherence, what we have awakening within us is a truth of vibration and a consciousness beyond polarity, beyond opposites, beyond 
this versus that, beyond fear versus love, light versus dark. And we, we, set, we find ourselves settling into what we call zero point, which is the stillness, the openness, the emptiness, and the presence that is our natural state of being, that is animating this body, that is dressing up as you, fulfilling the universe's most wildly inconceivable dream it has, which is just to live as you. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I'm just pinching myself a little bit that I'm sitting here having this. I've, I've watched so many <laughs> YouTube videos and uh, I'm just sitting here having a conversation with you. So it's, it's really a, an honor for me. Um, now you know how I feel. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's how I feel with you, you know, and it's, it's amazing because my entire life, I've always felt that way with people. I've always had this, I always find God in everything. And it's not something I look for. It's something that is, it's something that for me, I was born with this ability to see it. It's something so obvious I can't turn away. So whenever I'm talking to one, I'm talking to the God within them, and everything about them is included in that. Um, but I've always had this, and I've always had this interesting sense of I could sense the distinction of like, I see the reverence of how I feel in someone's presence. And I can also feel how they feel in their own presence. And so that's the fury that led to my spiritual path, uh, you know, eventually becoming a teacher and a healer, where I thought, what can I do to help people experience themselves the way I experience them? What can I do to help people experience themselves the way Source does? That became the drive of what I do. Like, you're saying, and I appreciate what you're saying about me, like, you know, this is like a live YouTube video right now. And I sit here with you going, God, what a what a gorgeous expression of spirit. What a beautiful man. What a wonderful soul. And so truly, it's, it's my experience of you as well. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. You just, you just uh, touched on, on something that I wanted to ask about, which is your journey in becoming a teacher. I, yeah. I've heard a, a, a bit about your childhood through your, yeah. your books, and, but the actual in your adult life, was there a clear decision point or what, what was that journey? You know, it was a very interesting one. So there was a point where, you know, I, grew, I had an out-of-body experience at eight, which I talk, I've talked about a lot. Um, I've had experiences of talking with my angels and guides, which started when I was about 18 years old or in my 20s, between 18 and 20-something. I, I always, every time I'm interviewed, I say a different age. I, I can't even remember. But somewhere in that period, I, I started in my parents' house, in my bedroom, started talking with my guides and they would teach me things and show me things. And it was all the things I was interested in my entire life. It was all the things I wish I was learning in school. You know, when I went to school, it was just like um, half the stuff I was taught, I didn't really believe, but it was kind of, I had this really interesting feeling of like, just memorize it, get through this process. And then someday we'll get to what you really want to learn. And that's how I looked at school, just play the game, right? Like a lot of people do. And so as I began to evolve and talk with my guide, and, and there was a process where I would be inspired by them to deliver a message to someone. Like in the grocery store, hey, I'm so sorry. My heart feels like it's gonna explode if I don't say this to you. And then they would erupt in tears. Oh my God, how did you know? And I would deliver these messages. And I didn't know how I would do it, did it. I just knew if I didn't, I felt like I was gonna just explode. And so then I was guided by my guides to go into a spiritual bookstore 
And they said, hey, tell them about this experience. And I asked the bookstore person, hey, why do I see purple, purple energy everywhere? <laughs> they said, take our psychic development course. Okay. So I'd go to the psychic development course. And three weeks into it, they asked me to teach it. And I thought, <laughs> I'm just here to learn, man. I don't, what are you talking about? And they said, they sat me down at a psychic fair and they said, can you give a reading? And I said, I don't know what that is. And they, I sat down for three seconds. I was like, what am I doing? And then it just started coming out. And I, I, I oh, I, I guess I can do this. And then a month later, I was, I had, I had, I had sessions scheduled and I'm, and I'm doing this work. And I, and I literally am, you know, from that point to now, it's been about 15 years. I learned about all of this by doing it while not knowing how I'm doing it while I was doing it. <laughs> so as I'm doing it, I'm like doing it and I'm standing next to myself watching and listening. And then, I'm, and I didn't know about any other spiritual path because I didn't do a lot of reading. I just did channeling. So I learned about all these spiritual paths by piecing it together and listening to people, what they would tell me for 15 years. And so I have a very interesting way that I've come to this path. It's not learned book knowledge. It's just direct experience and literally watching myself and watching people I'm working with for 15 years. And that's how I became who I am, which is I come from a very interesting perspective and I'm able to see things from a point of view that is not limited by concept. And for, for my teachings, my interest is I want to give people experiences. I don't want them just to know we are one. I want them to experience it like I do. And so my, my, my chess game is how can I get someone to have their own experience of this reality? And that's what's fun for me. And so when I'm doing a teaching or I'm doing a teaching on a concept and I'll teach it three different ways, it's just because I'm giving people different entry points into a direct experience. Not just that I understand that, but I feel that within me and it will make me different and no longer the same ever again. Like that's, that's what I live for is those moments of, and I'm different, you know? And so that for me, for me, when I'm on stage, not just as a healer, a teacher, for me, this is like living art. This is like performance art. This, you know, because it is spirit coming through me, but it is just the dance, the dance of how can we take people from here to here in the most loving way, to do it in a way where we reduce the risk that they're gonna take life out on themselves and judge themselves in any way. And how can we give people direct experiences of all these things we've read about, heard about, and want so much in our lives? How do we turn the lights on now? And that for me, that for me is the joy of what I do. And it's why I love what I do. And I love what I do just as I did the first day I've done this. And that for me is the purity of the offering that you never, it never gets old. It never gets like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always like the first time, always. And it's still that way for me. And that's what I love about it. Beautiful. And that, you know, that really comes through. I always notice that um, for anybody who doesn't know, Matt has a, a YouTube channel. He's got, I think that's more than 16 million views. Almost 18 now, yeah, <laughs> almost 18. <laughs> and uh and i always notice how much fun you're having and yeah. 
and that you're just right there in the joy of the experience and the humor that you bring to not only your teaching, but the way you teach others to try and bring humor into, there's a question in this, what is the significance of bringing that lightness and humor into the game of evolution and into the game of being in relationship to self and others? It's a very interesting thing because I've always been a very funny person. I've always been a performer, you know, as a child actor, um, well, which was different. Um, I wasn't good at like any dialogue a, a screenwriter could write. I was good at it was an improv because I'm a channel. So if I could write my own lines, I was great. And I've always had just this very funny side of me. And, and, and for me, it wasn't like I come up with jokes. It was just jokes would jump out of me. You know, when you're a kid, it's, 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 it's sometimes an inappropriate terrain, um, you know, and, and, and what, but when I discovered the spiritual path, you know, again, I didn't know anything other than what I was being brought to teach and what the guides showed me, what the universe showed me. So I saw a very specific path. And when I came into this journey, I was very surprised to know that, and again, everyone has the right to their own path and journey. So that, that didn't surprise me. What surprised me was just the way it seemed so clear to me uh, the way it was initially received by some of the people in the field where I thought, Oh, I'm going to hang out with all my superhero friends. And, and I thought, well, I'm either onto something or I'm completely crazy. And, and what I started to see was I'd go to spiritual events just to kind of check out, check out the feel. And I would find a lot of people yearning for spirit, but rejecting their personality along the way. And of course there's a lot of linking of personality with ego, which, isn't quite the truth, right? We can't just say ego's personality because then we're on these old spiritual paths where we're trying to be spiritual beings with no personality, uh, which actually creates so much more ego. It's, an, it's incredible. Uh, and what I found was as I let more of my personality through in my transmission, the humor was just a way of t showing people, um, you know, we're going to awaken with our personalities. You know, when you talk to people on the other side who have passed away in heaven, they still have their personalities. In fact, their personalities are amplified to what they couldn't express in the human plane with their conditioning. They're, they're even more uninhibited. And so I didn't decide like, hey, I'm gonna be funny one day. It just, it just started happening, you know, and, and I wouldn't plan it. And then I started getting really popular for my, for my humor. And what was amazing was I was very clear about, you know, every time I step on stage, I always say this to myself every single time, every single time I say to myself, I don't feel like being funny today. Cause the truth is I don't care if I'm funny. I only care if it's beautiful. I want the teaching to be beautiful. I want it to be heart centered and I want people to burst into the tears of revelation and glory. All I care about is beautiful heart-centered, beautiful. And somewhere in the teaching, something happens and just it pours out. And I notice that it always happens at times when the audience needs to integrate the energy I'm, I'm channeling. So people are receiving the energy. And when there's something that needs to be integrated, I literally do a joke, which isn't planned by me. And then I go back to the teaching and it's a very effective process. It's just not something I plan. You know, I can't teach people to do this. I can't say at the 14 minute mark, <laughs> right? Two archangels <laughs> and a master walk into a bar. 
right? <laughs> you, know, I, you, can't, you can't teach or script it. It just, and the things I come up with, you know, and, and I joke with myself all day, like, like a comedian who's always writing material wherever they go. I'm always a teacher downloading teachings. Anything inspires a teaching. And I have jokes that come to me all day. I laugh all day, whether there's anyone watching me or not. I don't even, right? I, That's awesome. My life is hysterical. You know, for me, it's a lot of cookings. I cook a lot. Um, and I come up with jokes. And then I tuck them away going, you know, if it's meant to be, one of those jokes is going to come through. And inevitably on stage at the perfect time, like the last one I came up with, I think on stage was about um, being a, uh, oh, oh, being a gaslight worker. Oh yeah, <laughs> the gaslighting of spiritual people, the gaslight worker, and and I and I told myself one of this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this on stage for sure. That's hilarious. But you know, I have no attachment. Like, I, and I'm so happy that I don't need. Like, I don't take it on. Like, oh my god, people like when I'm funny. I need to totally be funny. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. You cannot plan to be funny. Um, if I were working in a, in a field as a stand-up comedian, which I never would, because that's when you're expected to be funny. And that's not, that, that, that for me kills the energy. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be funny in my field. Mm-hmm. And so that lets me be funny, mm-hmm. right? If I had to be funny um, in my field, I have to be compelling. I have to be inspirational. I have to be um, transformative. For me, that's no pressure. That just feels natural. But if I had to be funny, like I had to be funny, that kills it for me. I, yeah. I just, for me, I don't have to be funny for anything. And it just creates the space where there are moments where the funny finds me. Hey, yeah, it's <laughs> wonderful to watch. It's very wonderful to watch. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to be, um, to be entertained while we're integrating those energies. <laughs> so important, honestly, because again, you go to a spiritual event, you soak and you steep in your spiritual self and a lot of the pain that people feel is it's their personal self saying, hey, I'm feeling left out of this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling like, like I'm your child that you put into daycare outside of this event <laughs> and, it, and I'm missing mom and dad, you know, versus let's actually do the, what, what I consider the real work, which is let's integrate, let's first transform and heal the personal self out of the conditioning that it took on from its family of origin. And then let's merge this transformed personal self as a space through which the higher self will embody. And let's bring these two things together. Because again, we're no longer going to look at spirituality through the lens of polarity. It's no longer about from hell to heaven, from dark to light. Uh, It's no longer from masculine to feminine. It's not from doing to being. You know, these were very old concepts when the earth was still in a third dimensional alignment. And when earth is still in 3D, yeah, that's the path. It's linear from one extreme to the other. But earth is now ascending into 5D consciousness. And this is not such a overly simplified trajectory. And I think sometimes for the human mind, if we can oversimplify it, we have the confidence of going, now I get it. And most people who get it don't embody it. They just either repeat it to themselves or other people who seem misinformed. So really, 5D consciousness is not where we go from one extreme to the other. It's where we bring two sides together. And that's really the recipe for wholeness. And that, for me, is what's really exciting because I want everyone to know how whole they are. And I want everyone, even for one moment, 
to bask in the glory of their eternal light. Just for even one moment before they leave this earth plane, one moment of seeing themselves as source does. And, and that for me is just the passion of what I do. It's amazing how many of my long list of questions you seem to have tuned into and answered. Just, you know, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm like crossing them off as you're talking. Um, yeah. Just don't need that one anymore. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I did have a question about 3D and 5D consciousness. Sure. You, you mostly answered it, but just what are some quickly some signposts for people to understand the distinction between 3D and moving into 5D consciousness. Yeah, you know, 3D is all about the oscillation between highs and lows. So 3D consciousness is oftentimes, you know, I'm feeling good one day, I'm feeling not so good. And, and it gets a little tricky because as empaths, as, as energetically sensitive beings, we go from feeling our own alignment of spirit to the low is usually I'm taking on energy of others around me and, I, and I'm not aware of it. But typically, 3D is about the oscillating back and forth between the opposites. And in 3D, what we're learning is we're learning about the opposites. Like, um, you know, the sun rises, it sets, then the moon comes out. And from, you know, winter to spring to summer to fall, you know, we're, we're 3D, we're basically learning everything changes. And if we really wake up in 3D, what we're really learning is everything changes on its own trajectory and not necessarily because of what I do and don't do, right? One of the really big signs of someone who's still steeped in 3D is blaming themselves for what does or doesn't happen. And it doesn't mean we don't have free will, but our free will is I have the free will to decide how I'm going to view something. And I'm making a choice not to make an outcome happen, but I'm making a choice as a way of constantly verifying what vibration I wish to continually anchor in my energy field. So when we wake up out of 3D, you know, it's a nice idea that I'm gonna do all these things and make this outcome happen. And maybe it will and maybe it won't. But what we're really doing with choices is we're really using choices to constantly bring our highest ethics and values into inaction, into inspired action. And the more we're anchoring a higher vibration, the more we let the universe work through us and bring to us what is the next step in our journey. You know, so when we master third dimension, we are making choices based on our ethics, not on outcomes. And we are detached from outcome, knowing it's totally fine to want everything you want as deeply and desperately as you may want it. But to know, as the book says, the universe has a plan and it may be similar or different to what you're envisioning, but when we wake up out of 3D, we're open to that plan. Then in 4D, 4D is the dimension of time. I often describe it as the corridor or the hallway from 3D to fifth dimension. And in 4D, we are waking up to the revelation of spirit, a bigger plan, my soul's reality, the difference between how my soul functions and how my ego operates. It's where we usually go through dark night of the soul, the facing of our shadow, the integration of the unconsciousness and suppressed feelings. And really the fourth D is really, and 4D is also where people get very caught up in spiritual 
superstition. It's where fear can still exist, but it exists in spiritual uh, perspectives. And it's where a lot of people go really down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories of every level. And then as you start to exit that hallway into 5D, we find unity consciousness. Unity consciousness being the oneness between self and source. We find ourselves able on, on the 5D, we learn to master our empathic sensitivities. We learn to feel our own vibration in every moment, not just using our body to emotionally interpret the perceptions of other people's experiences. So it's really where we go from codependence to coherence and, and to interdependence and where we learn to really create relationships rooted in wholeness where I'm whole, the other person is whole and we merge and meet as wholeness, not as I'm fragmented, you're fragmented and together we even each other out while mildly despising each other. <laughs> Before we go to the next kirtan, uh, <laughs> which I know sounds so romantic and I know, oh God, let me vision board that. Hate my partner mildly before we go to Krishna Das. Yes. <laughs> Winning. For the kirtan. Right? Or like I'm driving, right? You're, right? You're driving through traffic at fast pace. I'm late to yoga. <laughs> or, or someone sitting too close to you in meditation, right? <laughs> right? You're interrupting my zero point experience. It's, it's all amazing. But 5D is so, 5D is where we get to unity consciousness and it's where we really start to experience spirit in the body. And of course, the fourth, fourth dimension is where we're really healing and processing the density of human emotions. And we're doing it so that the human vessel can be a space through which or a container through which spirit flows in the five, fifth dimension. And so five, 5D is really where we get a lot of rest and resolve from how tumultuous the healing journey was in the third dimension, how much we transmute the fourth dimension, and we're also starting to see that while our individual lives in 5D are aligned, we're also noticing the world is going through the same experience we've gone through. And we're holding space, we're anchoring the light, and we're watching not a world fall apart, die or dissolve, but we're watching a new world being birthed and blossomed. And of course, in order for something new to be born, we, you know, the old must dissolve. And that's where we're at right now in the world is we're watching a new world being born while the world who may not have known anything about spiritual evolution is being pulled out of 3D, pushed through 4D and into a fifth dimensional timeline. And I believe this is happening so quickly because of the amount of light workers on the planet who have been anchoring light and doing so much good inner work for so many years, I believe we fast track the timeline shift. I really do. So this is actually a good thing that's happening. Obviously my heart goes out to anyone who's lost family members during this process and businesses have been completely leveled on so many levels and there's so much loss. And I, and I say all this not, not to equally honor all the losses because that's an important part of the process is to grieve the loss of the old. But there's so much new being born. And when all is said and done, every single person that experienced any amount of loss will be given such new opportunities that they won't even believe the new reality they'll find. 
So it's a, it's a very exciting time for all of us, but there's a clear trajectory of th three dimen third dimension, fourth dimension, fifth dimension. And there, you know, there are parts of us that are kind of in a few different places. And so this journey is really about bringing all of this, all of us into that same vibration of light. Beautiful. Matt, I think that's a really perfect note to end things on oh. just touching on the present situation. And um, yeah, I, that would have been my last question and you went right into it. <laughs> so Ta-da! Ta-da! You know, I don't want to put you on the spot. So sure. we, can always, we can always edit this part out if it, if it, if it isn't a go. But uh, if there's a repeat after me, that we could walk everybody oh, yeah. through anybody who's being challenged right now with the coronavirus, mm -hmm. losing jobs, losing family members, if there's anything that feels inspired. Oh, totally. Let's do a repeat after me. Oh, I love challenges. This is so good. <laughs> okay. So let's, and, 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 okay. So if I do the repeat after me, you, you have to be the one repeating it. Okay. I will. Because then, because then, then you'll help me. Through. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> All right. So in order to really help make this time of uncertainty, a chance to be more aligned in spirit, Try these words out loud. I accept. I accept. That an experience of adversity. That an experience of adversity. Is only delivering me to the opposite side of opportunity. Is only delivering me to the opposite side of opportunity. Where I see death. Where I see death. Only birth is occurring. Only birth is occurring. Where I see destruction. Where I see destruction. Only reconstruction remains. Only reconstruction remains. Where I sense fear. Where I sense fear. Our spaces only love is healing. Our spaces only love is healing. Where I see separation between people where I see separation between people is only a transformation is only a transformation allowing the revelation of oneness to emerge allowing the revelation of oneness to emerge and where I see fear-based news headlines and where I see fear-based news headlines I'm only watching an old guard I'm only watching an old guard lose its grip lose its grip of control on humanity of control on humanity as humanity awakens as humanity awakens to the autonomy to the autonomy and sovereignty and sovereignty of free will of free will as we come together and assemble as we come together and assemble even on a vibrational level even on a vibrational level to insist the world we wish to live in to insist the world we wish to live in instead of instead of allowing others instead of allowing others to tell us the way we to tell us the way we're meant to be to tell us the way we're meant to be this is our awakening this is our awakening this is our ascension this is our ascension and the light welcomes me and the light welcomes me just as I am, just as I am, whether I feel complete in my journey or not, whether I feel complete in my journey or not. And so I'm free. And so I'm free. And so it is. 
and so it is. Matt Kahn, thank you so much. My pleasure. What an honor. This has been such a great uh, dialogue, and I'm honored. Thank you. Likewise. If anybody is interested to check out more of Matt's work, you can visit his website. Correct me if I'm wrong, mattcon.org. Yes. Check him out on YouTube, Matt Kahn, all for love. And I just want to say a special thanks to the, the team behind the scenes here with Banyan Books, Jacob Steele, our producer and events coordinator, Carly Lachlan, who does all the editing, and Laura Resnick, who does our music. And of course, all the Banyan staff who aren't able to work right now. We're on a skeleton staff, still doing only uh, online and phone orders, and there's special mm -hmm. discounts on right now. So make sure you go out and buy, for sure, Matt's newest book, if not his other <laughs> And support Banyan Books, for That's sure. Right. <laughs> I love you guys. You guys are always amazing. And, you know, I'm excited for us to work, to, to come together in person once again soon. Likewise. Thanks, brother. Thank you for listening to In Conversation, a podcast of Banyan Books and Sound, Canada's spiritual and healing resource since 1970. Find us at banyan.com for live events, books, and more.